Hiya, I'm Al, the CEO and founder here at Dad's Net. Sorry to interrupt, but before you get into this podcast, I want to tell you about something for the next 60 seconds. You're about to embark on a very exciting journey. And if there's one thing I wish I'd had when I was a new dad, it's someone giving me little nuggets of genuinely helpful advice. So here's one for you. When my kid was born, I had no idea how much mess I'd actually have to clear up. Now, a utility belt containing wipes and antibacterial spray sounds ridiculous, but would actually genuinely be incredibly helpful. Over the years, I've used many cleaning products, but never found any as good as Milton, which is handy because they are sponsoring this podcast. There's antibacterial wipes, sprays, hand sanitizer, sterilizing tablets, bottle cleaner and sterilizer, and the one thing we never had, but would have been an absolute game changer, the portable soother sterilizer. My little one dropped his soother more times than I care to remember, and I wouldn't recommend trying to suck off the germs yourself. The portable soother remains sterile for 24 hours and cleans the soother in just 15 minutes with no odour and no taste. It's brilliant. You can check out the whole range of Milton products over on dadsnet.com forward slash Milton. Right, let's get back into the How To Be A Dad podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to How To Be A Dad from the dad's now oh unless of course this is the first time you're listening in which case hello welcome thanks for coming on there are nine other episodes before this you know so you can have a listen back to those um if you're a dad waiting to be or if you're a dad who's got kids and you just want to hear from other dads you are more than welcome this episode of how to be a dad is episode 10 and i'm going to speak to shane moores well i spoke to shane actually Shane, at the time of speaking, was an expectant dad, um, but they were right right on the cusp, re- getting really, really close. So by the time you hear this, who knows? Shane might be a dad. If this is the first episode you're hearing, by the way, you can go all the way back to the start, because How To Be A Dad, the podcast, covers everything from finding out you're going to be a dad, the journey of the pregnancy, the labour, the bit afterwards, and then spoke to some of the dads as well there, there was an episode about baby loss or we've spoken to dads about what happens when it doesn't quite go to plan spoken to a breastfeeding expert as well lucy who actually designs clothes for women so they can breastfeed in actual fact shane who is the dad you're going to hear from very very soon speaks about that very problem from matt not breastfeeding from matt do you know what Instead of me trying to explain it, why don't I just let you listen? This is How To Be A Dad. This is The Expectant Dad. This is Shane Moores. Where are you at the moment in your parenthood journey? So we are at 30, well, coming up to 37 weeks on Thursday. Oh, wow. So you might have to like ditch out this call. You might have to do a runner. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'd be nice. She's got her baby shower on Sunday. And one of her friends was saying, you're like playing with fire here with how close you are to your due date. So we've put a request in for the baby to come from the 3rd of May onwards if they're actually listening and responding. <laughs> well, that's the great thing about babies. They do exactly what you want them to from, you know, from conception. So, Yeah, this is what we're hoping for with all the planning that we've done is he will follow the plans. <laughs> Obviously, everyone that we tell this to just laughs at us. Do you know what? I've, I've, so this is your first, I guess. Yes, it is, yes. Yeah. And what I find is that I've become, and you might find this, and I guess if you're a dad and you've had children, you might find this as well, but I've become what I hated before we had our first child, which is that everyone just goes, well, you need advice that you've not asked for. My friend had a baby uh, two days ago, and in the lead up, I was like, oh, 
you want to check for tongue tie? And then just WhatsApp to went, I'm so sorry. You didn't ask for any of that. But that's like your, your podcast, though, the one you just done, had about tongue tied in there with one of the dads. And it's something that I'd never heard about. And I think until you're, until you're pregnant as a, as a couple, you don't hear about so many things. Yeah. And I think that's what shocked us, both my wife Alex and I, the most was what we didn't actually know about getting pregnant. I went to NCT classes and I sat there with all of the, with all of the expecting mums and dads. And they said, so what's your experience of all? And I just literally went out and said, the whole thing is a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> because you're told that your, your wife's going to be glowing. She's going to have this aura about her. It's just going to be beautiful and amazing. It's going to be the best time you've ever gone through. It's just, it's, your hair is going to be great. <laughs> you know, you're going to feel amazing. And it's nothing but that. <laughs> it's so true. And it's really funny. And, like every, and then when you tell, when you go and talk to people that have had kids and you tell them what you're going through, they say, yeah, yeah, we know about that. But why not share that up front? Yeah. Well, do you know, there's two people. There are those people who, who do exactly that. Yeah. And then the, the other people, and this is more so for, for the women. I found this just being out with Kerry when we were expecting our first Um because that's the thing. If you had two, then those parents are like, "Oh, there's no point in sharing anything because you know the secret." Yeah. But before before the first one, you'd get people going, "Oh, I was in labour for four months and it was agony and my head fell off." And it's like, well, you don't tell people that. <laughs> they don't need to know that. Yeah, but I feel there's lots that dads need to know. Dads are forgotten about in the whole journey, and I think a lot of that is sometimes the dad's fault in that as well. Because the woman's pregnant, she's dealing with it all. I'll just get on with my normal job. She takes care of what she's doing. And then we sort of see how it goes. And I've not wanted it to be like that with Alex. And I've wanted to try and be involved in the journey as much as possible. And like do my bit to support her through it. Because really, I'm, there's nothing got, there's like you have a spare part. You can't do anything. And that's what I felt like. So when we found out, I think I had the nursery done within about the first two months, completely wallpapered, decorated. I'd gone on a spending spree and bought everything we could possibly need, which spent most of the oh, time wow. in the loft. And then I ended up sitting there thinking, right, what am I going to do now? I've done all of this. But <laughs> <laughs> like, you just, you don't realise what the woman goes through with it all, I think. We've got this book, like, Expecting Better. And we're reading and it tells you when you're going to start feeling poorly or if you start feeling poorly, when it's going to happen. And it says from seven weeks, the all day sickness, like morning sickness thing will start. And we were at like six weeks and five days and she was feeling fine. We had our first scan really early and it was kind of great really. So it was the earliest you could do a scan to see what was happening. And you just see a tiny blob, which is the heart. And it's just doing that. And that was great because the sonographer there was like, yep, everything's doing what it should be doing and congratulations your pregnancy is amazing and and all that and as we left the other lady in reception was like clapping and we left feeling amazing about the whole thing but she has started to change so she's never been maternal and about a few months ago she sort of said to me something's like switched in her mind so she's gone from not being maternal to now being connected to what's going on inside and it was about probably about 10 weeks ago, nine, 10 weeks ago, that she sort of come out with this. And at the same time as this happening, she's kind of forgotten how poorly she was, but she had all day nauseous for seven weeks. And I was researching various things to help and ended up shooting myself in the foot. Because for seven weeks, I said to her, right, 
you can't get out of bed in the morning now. So we took it in turns making breakfast in the morning. That was our, that's our routine because it's, it says there that blood sugar levels are low and they need to eat. Well, a woman who's pregnant needs to eat when she's suffering from this before she gets up and does anything. Great idea me saying that to her, wasn't it? Because that meant for seven weeks, I'm going downstairs making breakfast. You're trying to find foods that she can actually eat as well. Oh, yeah. She can't have prawns and soft cheese for breakfast anymore. Not, no, she can't have that little caviar or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but we found out, like, because you obviously, they suffer. You don't get told this. They suffer with constipation. So every every morning I'm downstairs breaking up all the all the wheat bits, putting the milk in, sticking it in the microwave, taking it up to make sure she's got a drink. And then the dinners, we just lived on beige food. And one of our, it's quite funny because one of our friends has found out they're pregnant now and her husband is trying to make her eat healthy food and we're trying to get across to them, just give up on that, just cook her whatever she wants to eat. <laughs> and I used to go to Sainsbury's to say I want something beige. And I'd come back with two full bags of beige food, chicken Kievs, pizza, nuggets, fish fingers, whatever it was. Like, And it was just like, no, don't fancy that, don't fancy that. I'll have that. <laughs> and the freezer was just full of beige. And we gradually worked our way through it. But then they say just get them to eat whatever they can eat because, you know, trying to put like a flavour some food in. I've started daydreaming about your freezer. I'm like, that just sounds perfect and having an excuse just to eat all that like a big buffet in your freezer. Yeah. amazing but you've got to kind of you're responding to things that are changing all the time with what they actually want and what they don't want and then um she was at work and she actually passed out at work where her blood sugar is low and for me the worst thing i ever wanted was the phone call from a friend saying oh there's something wrong you know you kind of spend your whole life as a married couple fearing that somebody's going to phone you on their phone and i got that phone call at 11 weeks in don't panic Shane great opening line oh yeah great thanks for that don't panic Shane um but Alex is in the in the nursing unit which is great where she works she's a, a, at the university so she passed out during a lecture it was because of she her blood sugars had dropped and where she was standing so long talking to people she just literally went and she had it all on camera and all the students were that were in her lecture come rushing down to help her and give her orange juices and things and she gets carted off and then it's like right you're on bed rest now alex yeah yeah i'm on bed rest okay that means you're staying in bed and you're not going anywhere yeah yeah that's fine next day she's back at the gym oh, really? she's back to work and i'm like alex you passed out yesterday yeah yeah no no but i'm fine and it was like it was left that if you pass out or you have a problem I said, you are in so much trouble when you get home <laughs> because you've been told by everyone to rest and relax and listen to your body. I mean, that's always what you hear from, you know, since the dawn of time, people going, don't lift that. You can't be lifting that in your condition. You can't do that in your condition. But I, but then again, like you say, we don't know what it's like to be a woman. But I've just tried to make the journey for her as easy as it can be. Um, and, you know, and just make her feel special, really, and actually be part of it i'm looking forward to when he comes along and you get to do your bit then but then there's more pressure on the dad again because you know you've got to try and create that bond with your baby that's yeah that is one thing that i sort of worried about there's obviously the bond with the mum and the skin on skin thing is is very much encouraged isn't it um yeah but i think do you know what i think it just comes anyway like me and my my kids are just there because they're four and two and alfie's five not long not far away now so he's he's that cross between he's been a toddler a little boy now he's becoming a little 
boy boy and and he makes jokes and he does that yeah it's that thing where you can have little conversations and you go oh we get on we're like friends and i don't think you have to worry about that bond thing i think it just comes naturally i think but you get you you get turfed out though don't you as a dad you get two weeks off work and you're kind of expected to go back to work and like yes yeah that that was a good thing about the covid lockdown was one of my members of staff had a baby and i just furloughed him I said, I don't want to see you back at work for months because you might as well make the most of it. And he had four months off work, pretty much full pay. You know, he come back and said it was great. I said, I wish they'd bring that scheme back now for me so I could furlough myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you are coming across as A, the perfect partner, B, the perfect dad, C, the perfect boss. I'm going to have to put a caveat in and go like, Shane is not an actor. He's <laughs> yeah. a real person. I still have my issues. You know, I worry about things all the time with her what do you worry about i worry about the dreaded phone call again i worry about um you know i worry about if he comes out and he's a and it's you know he's a stillborn and what that and what happens there i worry about what happens if he because nobody i've spoken to has gone through an easy birth like all my friends that have had kids they've all had they've all come through it but they've all had different issues and then obviously listen to your podcast. There was there was a really good one about the mum and dad that went into the emergency C-section and he just got sent in a room and had to sit there and wait. I'm crying my eyes out listening to your podcast because he's sitting there telling you that he's, he's just in this room for what feels like forever waiting for the doctors and nurses to come in to say that they're both okay, thinking he's lost like the entire world. Right, just to jump in here. So Shane from this episode is talking about Shane from episode three of the podcast, which was the Labour episode. Just to jog your memory, here is Shane from episode three talking about his experience in the Labour room. And all of a sudden, the desk come bouncing through the door. They said, sorry, you can't come in. They put me in a little room. I were in a little room on my own. They said, just stay there. And that were it. And I didn't speak to anyone for ages. It felt like a lifetime. And I'm really just gone. They didn't want to scare me. They just said, no, it's an emergency. That was Shane from episode three, the Labour episode. And this is back to Shane from this episode. There's too many... Sh- I should have have a filing system for Shane's. And you just... And, you know, you've got all that to come. And then you just hope that you all get home, all three of you get home, and you can start living your life. And I worry, I, I worry about that. I worry about the stuff that you're told about movements. So, you know, if you, you know to begin with, you monitor the kicks. Great. So if he stops kicking, go to triage. Now, I recommend this for anyone that you don't argue about it or you don't um and ah about it. If she says to you, oh, he's not moved much this afternoon, just go to triage. Don't um and ah about it. And I think we've heard lots of stories from both the triage and other people of how important that is. And you feel like a, a clown when you get there, like you're making fun of them or something. But when you get there, they are so good at just saying to you, don't panic. You come in all the time. And it's, what we're telling you is right now, baby's absolutely fine no problems that doesn't mean in 10 minutes time you've got you know he's fine and you need to come back again you just keep coming back over and over again do you know what that's really made me that's made me get all emotional i we did that we did that with sienna and i'd completely forgotten about that aspect of it that's really that's just really taken me back and i'd forgotten yeah same thing kerry hadn't felt her first thing in the morning it was like i don't think so we went in and you do you feel like oh it's a waste of time because and they're like and yeah and like you say they're just brilliant they're like do what needs to be done to get you through and you can never you never ask enough questions and i completely forgotten that happened 
yeah, it's all all right though. We've done that twice. We went in twice with that. Um, and the second time they took us a little bit more seriously than the first time and they put you on the scans and then the consultant came in and spoke to us about bits and pieces. And then they worry you again though because then they say, right, so before we told you to monitor the movements and if he's not moving enough to come in and see us, now we're like, so if he's not moving enough, come in and see us, but if he's moving too much, come in and see us. And Alex is like, well, what pressure is this on me then? She feels personally responsible now that if she gets it wrong, she's the reason why things don't work out. And I just said to her, look, just we make a promise now. If we think either way, no matter what time of day or night it is, we don't sit here and think, oh, let's pull it off to the morning. We just go and do it. Um, and like I've stopped. Like, I don't drink much anyway, but I won't have more than a glass of wine because I always want to be in a position to be able to drive to the hospital without me being the one that says, oh, let's just wait till the morning. There's just so much that goes on beforehand that I think like you've probably forgotten a bit about as well, because when you have the kid, you've got the reward for what you've done for the nine months. And the memories of those nine months have kind of been sort of forgotten now, and you're focusing on the new memories that you're going to get and the new issues that come up. You do. You kind of look back with this this weird reminiscence, because Kerry had epidural for both. If I knew that in nine months I was going to have to push a human out my body, I would be so full of anxiety for nine months. Like I get ang- anxious knowing my MOT is due next month. <laughs> like knowing a human's going to come out, so I would have all the drugs possible. So um, yeah, for the first one, Alfie's heartbeat dropped really, really low, and things were flashing, and they have to come in. And as a dad, that's the other thing. Like like you say, as a dad, you're down one end looking up at the the mum going. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. She knows. She reads your face like a book. Yeah. But it was fine. It was like they just turned something and, and he was just had a deep sleep and he was fine. And he's great. Sienna took a while to come. They said, just get some sleep because it was middle of the night. We fell asleep. Ten minutes later, things were flashing because Kerry was so relaxed. Then Sienna just went, all right, I'll come out now. <laughs> and that was it. So, yeah, it's it's not always tough and, and bad. Uh, that's good to hear. When Kerry was pregnant with our first, I met an old boss in, in town just walking through and was like, oh, how are you doing? He went, how was the pregnancy? And I said, like, yeah, it's all right. Have you got any advice? Because he's got two grown-up children. And he went, you just worry. That's the only thing I can say. It's parenting is just worrying from before they're born until forever. And it's true. Like you say, you get the, you know, the nine months out of the way, but then there are new things to worry about. And, and not even just medical things or or things biological. There's, you know, Alf is at school. Is he getting on with friends? They're, they're going to have a party. Is he going to be invited? Just, oh, it's crazy. Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. I actually don't know why we do this to ourselves. I haven't quite figured that <laughs> one out yet. You know, I, I was on my hands and knees the other day walking around the house trying to find out what needs to be moved for babies. Oh, <laughs> oh don't, I wouldn't even bother because they'll find something. Yeah, they will. There's no such thing as baby proof. Yeah, my friend who's got a kid, he just said, you're, you're fine when you give birth and when they start growing up until they're about three or four years old and you take them to the park and they go out of your sight. And that's the first time they go out of your sight. And he said, it's the worst feeling in the world. It is. <laughs> it's mental. Yeah, not looking forward to that. Keep him on a long lead. And we, we named him quite early on. So we did this test and at 11 weeks, they can come back and tell you if it's a boy or a girl with a hun- pretty much 100% accuracy. And that he was a boy, which was great. We both wanted a girl. <laughs> we won't tell him this. Let's <laughs> hope he doesn't listen. And then also we found out that he was like low risk on the on the major things, which was great. So we we done all that. 
And then we called him a name, and that also made it worse for us in a way because now that we've named him, his name's Jesse, you become even more connected with the baby. So it stops being like a fetus inside her and starts becoming part of your family. You know, I get home and start talking to him, and he starts moving around. Oh, amazing. Really good to see and sort of feel it and, and watch it going on. And that's the one thing that Alex has said the best thing she's found she said she's hated pregnancy she hates being pregnant she's looking forward to not being pregnant but she says i'm really gonna miss the movements like he has a thing comes out the side of her stomach and she puts her hand around it because she feels like she's holding him yeah and she said i'm gonna really really miss that she goes i know i'm gonna have him in front of me yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That part of me is gonna be gone and it's quite funny because i won't go i won't go too close to her because he's in there and he's moving around and things like that. And it's not because you're going to do any harm. And I thought, in a way, I thought I was a bit strange thinking this. And then talking to the guy, the dads at NCT, we started talking about it. And quite a few of the dads were the same. No, we're not doing it. Definitely not. And they linked it to different experiences. So one of them had a miscarriage and it was after they'd had sex. And they thought, well, hold on, did that cause it? We're not going to chance it. Another one was like me. And then I spoke to, to um, my friend's my friend's partner and she was the same she was like no i didn't let him go anywhere near me because you know the baby's in here and i don't want any and it's funny how people think about it and alex is like you know she wants it and i'm like no not interested. i really yeah. oh yeah just just don't want to just just can't do it no i, I understand that i don't think no the only time that during the pregnancy i think certainly with alfie once because i i was 40 in the march and alfie was born in july um, and we went to Poland for my 40th, so Kerry's really pregnant. And that was the yeah. only time, I think, during the pregnancy. And she got really frisky in the hotel room. But then but then I put my back out because I was then 40. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I'm an old dad. This is not. <laughs> so whether or not after that she didn't want sex just because I was this decrepit old man <laughs> or because she was pregnant, I, I don't know. And, like, if you're not comfortable, the last thing you can think about is, like, getting frisky. I quite often complain about being tired. And she sort of looks at me and says, why are you tired? You're not pregnant. I thought, well, I'm tired because I just worry the whole time. Uh, and it's just very much wanting to, like I said at the beginning, wanting to be part of the journey and not be, not be left out. I don't want her doing everything. I don't want it to be expected that she's got to do all the baby changing. She's got to do this. She's got to do that. She's got to do all the breastfeeding. I mean, she will have to do all the breastfeeding. There's, there's very little I know, but I do know that the woman has to do all the breastfeeding. We took her, her parents to a scan once. So we, we went down to the uh, to the scan uh, with her parents and on the big screen was his balls and his willy. <laughs> the full screen. That was the only thing he could capture. So I've now got that photo and I have shown everyone <laughs> the photo. Like, have you seen my boy? Look, look, this is what he looks like. And it's going to be on his 18th birthday cake. <laughs> Do you know what? I think, I think you, me, everyone listening just went 18th birthday. Of course. <laughs> so have you got any sort of plans for when they get home? Do you do you plan anything for that? I can't remember. We've got to learn very, very fast because her auntie has a 70th birthday in France in August. So he'll be three months old and we'll have to do a 700-kilometre drive. You know, so many people say, oh, when you have a baby, your life changes. You won't be able to do all the things you used to do. And I'm thinking, okay, I get there's an element there. But we want to add to all the things that we're doing. So Jesse coming along is adding to our lives and adding to what we experience. 
And if we're going to go away like we've done before, then we're going to take him away with us and he's going to experience things and, and life and stuff. We don't have to stop doing everything just because you've got, got a little baby here now. You No, it's just become slow. I mean, car journeys, because I, I remember reading about car journeys and the baby can be in the car seat for an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, and so everything's slower. So you stop and just pick them up and dangle their legs a bit and then put them back in. And so, yeah. Are you driving, are you driving to France or are you flying? Driving to France, but we've researched it. So we've got a life flat child seat. So they're not cost effective because they only last for about six months, nine months tops. Um, but the seat will sit upright, but you can lower it down. So we've got a life flat car seat for the journey, but that car seat then clips into the buggy. So if you're going off for a walk, you don't have to take it out the car seat and you don't have to adjust any of the movements and you can keep them in there for four hours. Oh, I wish I'd heard of that. Not many people buy them because you've then got to buy more than one child seat. Yeah. Some people like to buy one seat for economy that will last from birth all the way up to their 12. <laughs> so this is literally six months. You can't, one to, like naught to 12 is the car seat. We bought one for her grandparents, for, the, for his grandparents. So they didn't have to buy a car seat and it literally lasts for 12 years. Really? You wait until you've you've got a child in there that's in the summer months been slathered in cream. <laughs> that stains it. It's not in my car, it's in their car. So. Oh, that's fine then. I was going to say there's snacks, there's all sorts, there's car journeys where, as Alfie calls it, oh no, I'm going to do a big cough. And they're like, what? Don't give kids, that's, that's my one bit of advice, don't give kids strawberries before long car journeys. They're not eating in the car. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, this is all the other things. They're not eating in the car. They'll eat in the car. They will eat in the car, yeah. Yeah, of course. I guess that. They're going to make a mess in the car. I've got... Do you know, we're, we're currently... So when we moved into our house, uh, pre-Alfie, it was a new build. I mean, very stereotypical in a sense. Uh, and we're like, yeah, we're going to get cream curtains, cream carpet, cream sofa. Um, and this morning, before we recorded this, Kerry and I just looked at the carpet. And we're like, this needs to go. But we're going to get a new carpet because it's disgusting yeah. essentially because of two children going to get new carpet but they are going to eat every meal snack drink at the table play-doh they're going to have to do in a swimming pool or something <laughs> and of course none of that happened no i put wallpaper up for the first time in the nursery i've never done wallpaper before and i've done like a jungle theme and it looks great i'm really happy with it and i was reading about how you repair wallpaper and one of the reviews said this works great as my toddler found it fun to pull the wallpaper off the wall. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to have my little son coming up to me saying, Daddy, Daddy, look what I've done. And I'm going, oh, that's amazing. Well done, <laughs> son. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> that is the thing. It's everything that another adult would do that you would hate them for, you just have yeah. to, like Sienna at the weekend has discovered crayons on the wall. That's her thing now. And you go, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to him trashing his room. We've bought the, the world's most fanciest bassinet known to man, created by Swedish engineers. It's called a snoo. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Yeah. I saw we them. Have, one. <laughs> have you got one? I've never yes. met anyone who's got one. No, we saw them and they, they look amazing. Wow. I tried it out with my mobile phone when I set my mobile phone to cry to see if it worked. And it, it starts rocking and making a noise. The reason, the main reason behind buying it was two reasons. One, you get your money back when you sell them because they do hold their value quite well. But the, the baby's basically almost strapped in. Mm. So there's little clicks on the side and they go into like a swaddle. But it keeps them on their back. So that was my motive behind it, that it kept, keeps Jesse on his back for the first six months um, because they say if they go onto their front too early, that's what can cause the cot death and stuff. 
uh, or so they call it sudden infant syndrome or sudden infant death syndrome. Um, so that's what could cause it. So that's why I got it. But then it, it doubles up that it's got 24-7 sleep counselling for the baby, which I think is amazing. How on earth does that work? So you have sleep support. So when you so you can't use it for a couple of weeks like at all, apart from laying them in it so they sleep. But if they can't get to sleep and the rocking and the white noise going into the crib doesn't settle them down, you get on the phone to their support team and they will talk you through all the different things you can do to get your baby to sleep. What? That's ridiculous. <laughs> now, if it works, in a couple of months' time, if we catch up, I'll let you know how good it is because you'll either get from me in a few months' time, this is amazing, everyone should buy one, or, my God, don't touch it. It doesn't work. The baby's got its own clues or own idea what it wants to do when it comes to sleep. I'd love to know if it worked. I mean, it sounds perfect, but... Uh, it sounds good. I sold it to Alex on the fact that she gets more sleep because it keeps the baby asleep for a little bit longer. you still got to wake them up in the window of feeding and stuff even if they are if that does keep them asleep we shall see we shall find out it'll either work and you'll see me being wide awake because i'm getting loads of sleep or actually pulling my hair out because this is the most expensive piece of tech i've ever bought is in the bin <laughs> <laughs> yeah the robots are taking over yes yeah this is a moment we got with our two-year-old the sleep thing because the two-year-old and four-year-old going to bed same time but different sort of levels of awakeness and i what i love about going with sienna because proper daddy's girl thing as well that's the thing i take alfie to sleep and we essentially wrestle and play and then carry go he's meant to be going to bed mm, okay but like we're having fun and i'm a child again and then with sienna it's like come here and i'll sing you puff the magic dragon and things like that and it seems to work but um if I'm coming home from work, because I work in the evening sometimes, Kerry will be like, I can't get her to sleep. And I'm like, what do you just need to sing? She's like, don't tell me what I need to do. No, sorry. No, you're right. You're right. And that's the other thing. You just touched on it there. So my fear is because I'm going back to work and I'm going to go home and he's and Alex and him, Jesse, are going to work out their relationship and what they both need. When it's my turn to then do daddy daycare, when I don't quite get it right, she's then going to say, oh, no, just do this, just do that. Or maybe the other way around, I'm going to say, oh, we'll do this. And I just said to her quite early on, I said, and I said, we've both got to have an agreement here that let's say it's my day to look after Jesse or my evening and I'm doing the nights and things like that. And he's crying and I can't settle him. Don't come in and help me. Don't get involved in anything I'm doing unless I sort of say, I can't do this. Can you do it? Uh, and same the other way around. And I was reading some posts on Instagram from one of the dads and he just said his wife went out for the first time. He was left with the baby. She was crying and crying and crying. Wouldn't take the bottle at all. Couldn't feed her. Couldn't calm her down. Couldn't do anything. So he was like, what do I do? So he went up and put one of her, his wife's tops on. So it had his smell of his wife. And then sort of cuddled her and got her to calm down, but still couldn't get her to feed from the bottle. His wife comes home, takes the baby straight away, gives it a bottle, baby stops. And he just said he went upstairs into the room and just burst into tears because he felt like a failure. And he just and his point was just leave me to it. It's like don't like if he was always left to it, he would find a way of figuring out how to do it. And that's what I've just said to Alex. Just you know, when I get home with what I, I'm, you know, with our routine that we're going to be setting up when she goes back to it, I said leave me to it. If he's crying and I can't settle him, I don't want you taking him off me because you know what to do. I want to figure out my way of getting him down and asleep and fed and it's going to be interesting i love the fact that that woman didn't come home and say to her husband why are you dressed like me 
That would be my first question. That's part of part of it. Even Alex has said that she needs to wear some of my clothes so that when she's got Jesse and she's in my T-shirt or something, when I come home, I put my T-shirt on, it smells of her, and he will associate that smell with her. And then when he's with me, he can still smell it. And that's becoming a thing that people are known about. And skin on skin. If you try and find yourself a dad skin on skin top that doesn't look like a woman's top, I've managed to find one, but it looks like you're wearing a blouse. And I don't want to wear a blouse. I want to wear a man's T-shirt that is skin on skin that I can just pull the flap open and put him on my chest and do that. But I can't find any anywhere. And good luck taking your, your partner's maternity shopping. You, you can't get anything anywhere. You go into the shops, oh, it's all online. And then with women, their skins are so sensitive, they need to know how soft the fabric is. How does it fit on, this, on the skin and things like that? And you can't try anything. You can't get anything. It, you know, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. That is another level of awareness of your partner. The fabric on the skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't play this podcast to Kerry, whatever you do, okay? I know, definitely not. She's never hearing this. <laughs> wow. I think what I wanted to do with talking to you was get across that as dads, there's so much more we can do than just sit on the sidelines. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. But it's nine months and, and every so often you just have a normal day. It's hard just to keep up that that level of thinking of someone else. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But It is hard and... It, you know, and so, sometimes you're the one that's snappy and tired from it all, and then you feel guilty because you're the one that's snappy and tired because you're the one that's not going for it. But you are, you are going for it. You're both, you're both going through what's happening. And like you say, you're worrying. You've got the worry, you know, as well. You're, you're both worrying. But from obviously the the woman's carrying the baby, she's got all the physical things, and absolutely, we should do as much as possible to care for them. But yeah, you've still, got, you've both got the psychological, the mental thing and that that doesn't stop when it was just the dads around the table at nct and i think one of the other chaps opened up first and then everyone sort of took a sigh of relief and then started opening up and it's the first time i've been at a table with a load of men talking about how we're feeling and our, our anxious worries and issues and concerns that are going on and actually not caring about what we were saying and that was it was a breath of fresh air because men don't, we don't do this. And I, I struggle to do this really when it comes to talking about things. It's just that thing of just talking to other dads and then just going, hold on. So that, that's not just me. That's not just us. That's everyone's got little things and quirks and worries. And, but there are those real tender moments and, and above anything else, it's just, there's nothing better than forming that bond with your child. And just, it's just amazing. It's unbelievable. No, I'm looking forward to you giving me goosebumps now thinking about it. There you go. That was Shane Moores, uh, an expectant dad for this episode of How to Be Your Dad, the podcast. Now, the idea of this episode 10 and the next episode is that this episode with Shane being an expectant dad, I was going to impart all the wisdom of having a four-year-old and a two-year-old having, I've been there and I've done that and I have sage advice to pass on. But I think as you gathered that Shane actually... Well, I've learned a lot from him and I've already had my children, so that was a bit of a waste. But hopefully if you've not had yours yet, you can pick up some tips from Shane. On the next episode of How To Be A Dad, the podcast, I'm speaking to Connor O'Gorman. Now, Connor has been there, done that, and his children are 11 and 12. So he's quite some way down the road. So fingers crossed, he knows at precisely what age this parenting lark gets a lot easier. 
Even through the winter, we used to put them out on the balcony, like in a pram and in a cot, and you're well covered up, but they slept like logs. As always, if you want to get in touch with us here at the Dad's Net, and specifically this podcast, you can get in touch at the Dad's Net socials, or you can drop me a tweet as well, at our booth, if you fancy doing that. Until the next episode, happy parenting. That sounds like a good sign-off. I can't believe we've got to episode 10. I haven't thought of like a little catchphrase then. Happy parenting. Yeah, I'll, w- I'll work on that. A Dad's Net original podcast.